for the movie Roxanne, I did the math, and and I was 14 that summer. It, it was the summer after grade 8. Grade 8 was a big year for me. That was the year I, I stopped talking. I was 17 and going into grade 12 when I started again. Roxanne played a role that summer because when you're 14 with stutter, C.D. Bales is a, is a great metaphor. A huge metaphor, if, if you'll excuse the pun. He looked like a normal person until, in my case, I talked. Or in his case, he turns to profile or you get close enough to notice. The scene at Roxanne's house when they're drinking wine and she doesn't have a straw. The faces she makes are pretty much the same ones that strangers make uh, when I get stuck on a word. In junior high and high school, I was smart and funny and undateable, and I looked like an easy target. Until they tried. I've never started a fight. I've also never lost a fight. I said I've used the line from the bar scene about, come on, is that the best you can do? And it's, uh, I find it's remarkably effective at, at taking power away from bullies. So there you go, the uh, remarkably personal and deep reasons why Roxanne was, was one of my favorite films that summer. Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool and romantic. I'm your host, Farron, and I'm here again with Heather. Hi. And today we're talking about Roxanne, which came out on the 19th of June, 1987, was directed by Fred Shapizzi. It was written by Steve Martin, and of course it's based on Edmund Rostand's play, Cyrano de Bergerac. In fact, that's how Steve Martin, that's how he pitched it. Cyrano de Bergerac, but he gets the girl. Because, of course, in the actual CD, uh, Cyrano de yeah. Bergerac, he de- he's lusting after his cousin, eh, a different time, yeah. uh, Roxana, and only in the very end, on his deathbed, does he admit he loves her. I like this ending. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, it stars Steve Martin as C.D. Bales, C.D.B., C.D., you know, Cyrano de Bergerac, Daryl Hannah as Roxanne, Rick Rossovich as Chris, Christian in the original play, um, and Shelley Duvall as Dixie who I'm not sure who she's... I, I saw that play so many years ago. I don't remember. There's a great movie adaptation with um, Gerard Depardieu. They didn't even have to do his nose <laughs> for the for it. Because he's, got a, big, have, yeah. he's, he's kind of got a big honker. Yeah, and it's... You know, this movie was kind of a smash. It, they made it for $12 million. I don't know what cost $12 million for this film. But it cost $12 million. I'm guessing a lot of it was because it was all on location. Mm-hmm. You know, look, they filmed it in Nelson, B.C. in the middle of the summer. I'm sure the businesses were thrilled to have the business of an entire film company showing up. Yeah. But that's that's not cheap telling all these, because B.C. didn't, I mean, B.C. in the States, 19, or B.C. in Alberta, didn't really have the film infrastructure that they started to acquire in the 90s. So I imagine, in a move, like, probably most of that staff was living in hotels. And I, I imagine that kind of builds yeah. over time, right? So on $12 million, it made 40 40 million. That's that's amazing. Well, that's more than three times. That's fantastic. Like that's that's a huge hit. Yeah. What shocks me is this film disappeared. 
You took. You said it yourself. Yeah. You saw this film three times in theaters. Yeah. And you forgot about it. A hundred percent. Until you mentioned we should do it, I'm like, what is wrong yeah. with me? It got released on a bare bones DVD back when they were just pumping out everything on DVD. Yeah. But it's. I, I don't understand that. It's such a wonderful. You know, maybe because it's not cutesy enough and quirky enough. And you remember when I first mentioned this to you, you said it was the first time you'd ever got, you ever thought you ever occurred to you as a kid that a, that a, a romance would be based on an intellect. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. These are smart people, and most rom coms these days. This is a rom com before there were rom coms. Most rom coms are about cute and yeah, I, I, I don't slick. like them. Yeah, they're, they're cute and they're slick, but these people aren't necessarily intelligent. Yeah. You know, it's, nah. yeah. but I, I, had, I adore this film. Yep, so too. when's the first time you saw it? Let's see, because this is, you know, clearly it's a big film for you. It's like 14-ish, probably. 14? Um, yeah, 14-ish. 14, um, okay. Probably saw it with some buddies. School was out. Guy buddies or girl buddies? I'm curious. For a film like this. Uh, guy. Really? I, I, I had no girl buddies. Okay. I was, the uh, girls were rare. In my neighborhood, like very rare. That's weird. Um, just by chance, or did you have like the the night creeper moving? No, on? Just, it, just, <laughs> it just worked out that way. Um, <laughs> Little did they know. <laughs> I I related better to the dudes. It was yeah. air conditioned. It was cheap. It was it was something to do. In theater, yeah, fair enough. In yeah. the summer, so. So the first time I saw it was probably just with my buddies and. And then you went back. Then I went back by myself. And, and then you uh, went, went back, back again. By <laughs> That's awesome. I, I watch this film a lot. Like I, well, not a lot. It's not like I'm watching it every day, but I watched it, you know, about a year ago, and that's when it sort of dawned on me: we got to do this. Because remember, I did that making of episode, and I said, "Well, we're probably never going to do any romances," because I couldn't think of an '80s romance that I liked. While I was recording, I'm thinking, "I'm an idiot." Roxanne's one of my favorite movies. Why didn't I? Yeah. And so I watched it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, we got to do this!" And then I, my mother saw it. You know, she saw it once long ago so last saturday i watched it with her and like you she hadn't seen it in forever and like she says it's the the, the best compliment my mother will ever give a movie it's just a good movie wow you know it's just like high praise indeed well yeah it's you know she doesn't scream oh my god it's awesome and tear her hair out it's just to her it's just it's not awesome it's not spectacular it's not a spectacle it's not fantastic but there's nothing there's nothing bad about this movie. I have no complaints about... Like I was, saying, I was just saying about Star Trek Discovery. There's nothing about that show I didn't like. Right. The same is true here. There's always the little niggling things, like that. the one character Andy bothers me, or the mm-hmm. way they portray him, but it's just a good film. And I, I, I'm sure I saw it on, like, Super Channel. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I wouldn't have rented a movie like that. I mean, maybe we did. Maybe Mother rented... You know, they rented it for a movie night. I don't know. But I adored it even back then. And it was for the same reason you liked it. The idea that it wasn't about how you looked. I mean, not that I'm hideous. I'm not handed a you know a paper bag with eye holes in it when I go on a date. But I'm not pretty. But it appealed to you know. But, but I like the idea that it didn't really matter how I looked. It was my intellect that would that might matter. Maybe I'll find a brainy person like that. Yeah. And certainly the relationships I've been in over the years and the women I've dated who I most it most clicked with when it was intellectual first because I'm not Chris. No, you're I'm, you're you're I'm, not. I'm not Chris. I'm not as confident as C.D. Bales, but, and I certainly don't have the nose. Yeah, for those of you who've never seen this film, the whole, the, the conceit of Cyrano de Bergerac and Roxanne is that the main character, C.D., has a big fucking nose. I don't mean he's got a honker. I mean, 
he could poke your eye out if you're not careful. And and usually it's portrayed as this big, long, swooping thing. Like, think Pinocchio after his, his second lie. Um, or as they put it in the bar, finally a man who can please two women at once. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, still my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, you know? mine too. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I when I first saw it, that's what stuck stuck out to me was intellect. She is eloquent. He is eloquent. Even in their first meeting, they speak intelligently to each other, even when it's about nothing. Mm-hmm. Even when, you know, it's it's a little too silly. You never go, oh, these guys are idiots. Just get over it. Move on. It's nice to just listen to them. Yeah, they, they, they talk like real people. Real smart people. Real, well, yeah. actual smart people, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? This is Steve Martin. Steve Martin, I, think, I don't think people give a lot of credit to. He's a... He's an excellent writer. Yeah. And when he's allowed to just do his thing, and he's not trying to do, like, uh, what was that movie he did? The Idiot or the Moron or The, the Jerk. Oh, The Jerk. Right, yeah. which I, was terrible. I tried and I just can't. When he's not doing the goofy SNL stuff, yeah. when he's allowed to just be himself, he writes beautifully. And he does romance beautifully. He did one called Shop Girl with, um, she was in Romeo and Juliet, the bad one with Leonardo DiCaprio. Claire Danes. And the same sort of thing, just this beautiful... Beautiful writing about smart people being smart and being attracted to each other's smartness. Which, yeah. That didn't sound very smart. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. You know, well, the thing that yeah, does the stuff. The thing that does the stuff in the place and the doohickey. Yeah, that's it. Me goodly with words. <laughs> Zog-like movie. But, yeah, so, you know, I'm not going to compare it to the, to the, well, I guess at times I will compare it to the play because I do remember some of the high points. But, of course, the original play starts with Cyrano de Bergerac calling someone out and dueling them. Mm-hmm. Cyrano de Bergerac is the head of the city guard of Paris. C.D. Bales is the fire chief. And he's walking down the street, or the sidewalk, returning Dixie, his god's sister. He's re- returning Dixie's, uh, yeah, she's his godbrother. Um, or he's her godbrother. So returning her tennis racket, which he's had for like a year. Yeah. And he's walking down the streets and he comes across two coked up douchebags. Oh yeah, now I'm having small heart attack, but I'm recovering. Hey, yeah, now I'm seeing two coked out hopheads coming at me. Could be trouble. Oh, granny. Hey, off the sidewalk. Other side of the street, scum. Now, come on. It's a cop. Wait a minute. If he's a cop, where's his gun? He's a fireman. Who make fun of his nose and he kicks their ass in a humorous way, but it is very much a fencing fight. Yeah, there, there's there's even sh- cheesy sound effects. Oh yeah, like he's got the the um, the tennis racket, and the other guy played by Kevin Nealon, who I, I'm sure was on SNL at the time. He's got ski poles, but as you pointed out, it's awfully warm for skis because it's like July. It's like July. <laughs> Maybe they were just coming back from getting them waxed or something. Who knows? And it, he gets his ass kicked. And Steve Martin goes along his way. But just like with Cyrano de Bergerac, we learn he's funny, but he's also a skilled warrior, or in this case, yeah. you know, tennis player. It's neat. I got a guy I was talking to at work about this. He has been down that, that pathway, that long, steep set of stairs and a long hill on the sidewalk. He's actually been down that. No way. Yeah. And it's like I said, they film this in and around, uh, in, in and around Nelson, B.C., though it, it takes place in Nelson, Washington. With, you know, the same, I'm sure if we checked, it'd be like the same two license plates. And it's definitely the same three <laughs> post office boxes. 
<laughs> Re- recurring post office box. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But other than that, like they used the town, the you know the fire hall. They used the actual fire hall. You know, which is kind of cool. And it's neat. Like he sets up. Well, actually, we'll get back to that later. I was about to say he sets up the town as a weird place where people. You know, what is it? Uh, 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 ski topless while uh, smoking dope. Yes. But uh, yeah, uh, I talked to a guy at work, and he said that these days it's very hippie-ish. Oh, yeah. I guess they think there's a they they believe there's a, ma- a big crystal under the town, and so I don't know it aligns their chakras or I don't know it's dumb, but I see. Yes, but apparently high culture. Seriously, lots of music and art and writing. Cool. Yeah, so I'll retire there, I guess. So not that I can afford to, but I'll retire there. Yeah. So you know he he wanders, he beats the shit out of uh, out of these two coked up skiers, and then then we see we're introduced to Roxanne who goes to get her cat Grover and gets her uh, robe caught in a door, which, of course, she takes off because it's... I assure you this is not how it went in, in the play Cyrano de Bergerac written in the 1800s. But she takes it off. She's naked because it's Daryl Hannah and she was in her 20s. You don't see anything. It's a PG film. Yeah. Like, yes, there's sex in this film, but you don't see it. That's true. There's less sex in this film than in a Star Trek episode where they just the camera pans away to the you know to the left and Kirk is left with his babe of the week. Yeah, so she goes, you know, now she's naked and locked out of her house. And then immediately we get to see the fire department, which is done by the run by the seven banana brothers, as C Vales puts it. And it's funny because he walks in and the firehouse is on fire. Yeah. Like there's just a barrel and it's on fire and he's yelling at these guys. I have a dream. It's not a big dream. It's just a little dream. My dream, and I hope you don't find this too crazy, is that I would like the people of this community to feel that if, God forbid, there were a fire, calling the fire department would actually be a wise thing to do. You can't have people as their houses are burning down Say whatever you do, don't call the fire department. That would be bad. We're supposed to put them out. Oh, yeah. Damon Wayans is in that. The only black guy in town, apparently. But this is before he did, was it a living color was the Wayans thing? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. I never liked it. I never cared for his particular shtick. Mm-hmm. But he does a good enough job. And, you know, we get to meet um, Fred, what's his name? He plays the mayor. Oh. Sec- very second city. Um, yeah. Uh, Fred Ward? No, it's not Fred Ward. Whatever, Fred something. We'll have, to, we'll have to look it up. But yeah, he's there, and there's this guy, Andy, who, again, I have more issues with him, I think, than you do. He's presented as special, but they kind of mock it. But we'll get to that, I guess, later when, yeah. we, when he's introduced to Chris. But yeah, he goes and he puts out the fire and the door, but, you know, the door rings, and it's naked Roxanne, and we get a little pre-me too. <laughs> it's like, I'm locked out of my house. Okay, come on in. I'll get my tools. Well, I'm naked. And he goes, ooh. It's like, really? Yeah. yeah. That's a little pre-me too. I don't think it's, I don't know. I'm a guy, so I don't think it's desperately creepy, but. No, it was fine. It was, Especially f- for the 80s. Like, you can't judge the 80s. Yeah. Why 28? Yeah, he's, pe- he's not peeking at her. Hey, baby, he's let's not, take a look. There's, like, there's much creepier stuff. In the 80s, that's for sure. Right? Yeah. In this movie. Cause, um, yeah, well, we're gonna get we're yeah. gonna get to that wanker. Um, yeah, it's like I, I have no problems with. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're walking back and like she makes a joke, right? She's like, "Do you want me to get you a coat?" And he's like, "No." She says, "No, I I love standing out here in the cold." 
okay. okay. And they were walking. I was like, didn't someone have a quote? You said you didn't want one. I was being ironic. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't do irony here because we have people, you know, skiing topless, smoking dope. He says, I was the only practitioner. I gave it back up and I gave it up in 83 because people were looking at me funny. Like already you've got this intelligent conversation. Yeah. He's not being crude or gross with her. Like he's walking beside a naked woman. Yeah. It's and, bantering. And then it's banter, but it's intelligent banter. Yeah. I love it. Thank goodness. You, you know, and so she goes, and I, but he does make one comment, which, you know, n- noticing her body says, I notice you don't have any tattoos. I think it's a good choice. I don't think Jackie Onassis would have gone as far with an anchor on her arm. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Jackie Onassis was the second married name of Jackie Kennedy. You know, but, but back then, I mean, tattoos on women wouldn't have been... I mean, oh, tattoos oh, these days. No. It tattoos, wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't okay then. No, tattoos in the '80s were frankly like sailors, truckers, and bikers. Cool yeah. people did not have tattoos. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, soldiers like yeah, military personnel. Yeah. Girls did not have tattoos. Girls did not have tattoos. At least, at least, nice girls. Ones that you were willing to introduce to your mother. Yeah, you didn't bring a tattooed girl home. That's that's yeah. actually the best way to put it. Yeah, and so he he does this cool acrobatic thing, which involves a conveniently springy. Um, uh, uh, patio, chair. patio chair, which looks an awful lot like one of those little trampolines they use in the gymnasts. Yeah, shh. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you weren't supposed to notice. I wasn't supposed to, oh. as well as a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, like the, like the drainage pipe, which is oddly sturdy enough sure. to, you know, act like a, a bar that you you do gymnastic turnarounds on. And he climbs up into the roof and throws a, a blanket down for, her and he lets her in, and he says, "I'm averting my eyes." Finally, and that's the only other ever so slightly icky thing he says. And then she comes down with her robe. He says, like, you know, and he's already preparing food for her, yeah. which was a little on the weird side. Like, we want to come in? I kind of already have. And he's cut up, like, bread and vegetables and fruit and cheese. And yeah. He's not being gross. He's not checking her out. He's he's clearly met someone interesting, and he wants yeah. to talk to them. And I, I like that because it's gentle. Like, their first encounter is very real. It's very grown up. So the whole movie is gentle. Yeah. I can't help but think if this were made today, that first night would have ended with sex. Or something, it would have been turned up, it would have been dialed way up. Yeah, it wouldn't have been... This was boiling at about a two. Yeah. A modern film would have pushed it up to, would have pushed it up to about a, what would you say, a seven? Mm, <laughs> yeah. Twelve, yeah. Yeah, twelve, yeah, probably. I know, they have this really cute conversation because she's an astronomer, and... He tries to pretend to do the bravado thing. Oh, I pretend. I, I used to know it. I've just forgotten. But he clearly doesn't mean it. He's not actually trying to. He's, he's bringing back irony. Yeah, he's bringing back irony. Yeah, exactly. Because he doesn't actually want to pretend he's a know-it-all. He's just doing his thing and at the same time giving her a chance to do something I think way too many guys don't do, which is, listen, you want to get a girl's attention? Listen. Ask her a question and then listen for the answer. Shocking, I know, right? But... <laughs> What? That's what? a thing. Yeah, like you seem shocked. So it's just crazy talk. It was crazy. Yeah, but it is neat. Like he, as much as he likes to play the the fake bravado, ironically, it's all about her. Yeah. Other than he's the chief of the fire department, she doesn't learn anything about him. It's all about what she tells him. Yeah. That she's she's here looking for something. And it's a secret she can't tell. You know, he lets her teach him about science because he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He probably knows some of it. I mean, you know, like. Dixie says he is an encyclopedia. Yeah, I, I just—it's a—it's just—it's such a gentle conversation. Yeah, 
It's nice. It, nice, yeah. Just a nice film, as my mother would say. <laughs> or in Rad, just a nice boy. Such a nice boy. Yeah. But, yeah. Rad. Yeah, or you, you, you dodged the bullet on that one. Whew. I, on the other hand, didn't. Uh, that's, that's, that's actually why Raimi's not here today, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I murdered him after uh, after Rad. No, no, no. Yeah. Ironically, this is a movie about volunteer firefighters. Raimi's a volunteer firefighter. I think he's a little busy tonight. But yeah, and then the next thing we get to meet is Chris, who in the in the original would have been Christian, mm-hmm. and he's like a professional firefighter. Yeah, you know, as opposed to the Seven Banana Brothers, and he's brought in by this this other guy who immediately calls him Maestro. I call you Maestro because I think you're like that with the ladies. Yuck. Yeah, and it is. It is yuck. And then he he makes a move on a girl. That's so creepy. It is. Like... Gavin Esamano. What? Weren't you playmate of the month, June 85? Come on. No. Oh, that's, that's really funny because I thought I recognized your inner diameter slope. What's that? Well, that's the part of the back of your leg that curves into your inner thigh. <laughs> Works every time, Maestro. Ew. And 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 she looks at him like, well, yeah, yeah. Like, let me reiterate. Ew. Ew. And 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 then he laughs at her and he says, "It works every time." It's like, well, it, it actually is. It, 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 it's something. It's, it, it is exceptionally effective at driving women away from him. It's very good at that. Very good at it. So it works every time. And and it's funny because Chris, you know, he just smiles. He doesn't say a lot. I mean. Chris is played by Rick Rossovich, who was also um, Iceman's radio op- radio equipment operator in Top Gun. Yeah. And he's the unfortunate boyfriend in uh, Terminator. Don't make me bust you up, man. <laughs> he's, I mean, at the time, he's a young guy, clearly good looking. He is, in fact, a good actor. Yeah. This poor guy, I just listed his three major accomplishments. And then nothing. And then no- nothing notable anyway. But yeah, like he's, here he plays dumb. And by the way, playing dumb is hard. You got to be smart to do that. It's like, Comedy's hard. Comedy's harder to write than drama. Yeah. Um, you know, bad drama is just melodramatic. Bad comedy just sucks. Yeah. So, yeah, Chris here is, you know, the, the girls are clearly all eyeballing him. Okay. Sure, why not? Sure. And, and you know, we figure he's, well, he's he's maestro because he's a maestro with the ladies. Says the other... I'll give you $10 to never, never do, do that, that again. again. <laughs> but, yeah, and then immediately after that, we get to see El Cripo again in the bar. Where we learn that you know Roxanne is now single, yeah, and she mistook she mistook. I love it. I, I mistook uh, I mistook uh, sex for love, and the Sandy the bartender says, "Oh, I did that once. That was awesome." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Sandy on Dixie says, "You know, she's very very deep." The thing is, I I think they give Sandy a raw deal. I don't think she's dumb. Like when she later, much later on, talks with Chris, yeah, she's intelligent. She's just she's I mean she's probably got a high school education and. You know, she's not intellectual, so what? But she seems nice. Yeah, she's she's just normal. She's a normal human being, yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's it's kind of cool. And then she spots Chris at the bar with Slimeball. And Slime, and, and, you know, he says, are you going to make a move? He's like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. He's like, can I give it a try? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he comes over, and he gets gross. But what I love is how well Roxanne just blows him out of the water. Oh, yeah. It's like, I'll be over there. It's like, well, if you are. My breasts will be heaving and moist with perspiration. And she gives him this come hither look. And he doesn't, he's not smart enough to realize 
She's she's tearing him down. She's tearing. She's mocking him. She knows all about him, and she's not having any. You know, he's about six rungs on the evolutionary ladder below her. Yeah. And he he puts money down, and it turns out it's only like to buy them a drink. It's enough for like one drink. You know, it's just it's really really funny because it's so clear. Like we've now had two scenes in a row where Chris and this other wanker have been side by side with women who show an interest, and Chris plays the strong silent type, and this other guy. Dials up the ick to eleven. Yeah, and and then she looks at Chris, and Chris goes and he throws up. So, <laughs> yeah, he flees the bar and yeah. barfs. Panic attack and falls <laughs> outside. And, and yeah, and actually just goes around the corner and and, and just pop. And I was like, okay, something's wrong with this guy. We'll see. We'll, we'll realize later. He's actually kind of childish. He's yeah. got a very childish mentality, even when he talks with CD. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's kind of neat. Like we're seventeen ish. Like, by the time he pops, it's 20 minutes into the film. Yeah. And so we've met, you know, C.D. Bales. We know he's intelligent. He's funny. He doesn't like being mocked. But he's not an asshole. Mm-hmm. We've met Roxanne. We see she's exceptionally intelligent, highly educated. You know, she's a grad student, I'm guessing. That's, that's yeah, she, she actually says that she'll graduate if she finds yeah, her comment. but I'm guessing, like, she's not an undergrad. I'm guessing she's oh, doing her no, master's or a PhD, yeah, PhD or something yeah. like that. Um, you know, and, and we've met Dixie, and, and she's like the confessor character. She's like Benvolio in, in uh, Romeo and Juliet. She is there for the characters to confess to and will always give... She's the honest broker. Mm-hmm. She will always speak truth. Yeah. T- town mom. Yeah. Yeah, but as a, you, always, you know, every every good movie like this needs a confessor, yeah. someone who will always you, anytime anything they say will always be the truth. And in, again, in Romeo and Juliet, that's Benvolio, mm-hmm. uh, Romeo's cousin. He will always just speak the truth. He will never lie. So if you hear three different versions of something like the brawl beginning of the play, when Benvolio speaks, he speaks the truth, and it's Shakespeare's way of saying trust Benvolio. Right. She's the same. She is his confessor. He will always speak the truth to her. She will always speak the truth to him. But of course, so will Roxanne. Yeah, she's the, she's father confessor to the to yeah. the two major characters. She tells the truth to the Roxanne truth. as well. Yeah, um, and she's neat. Like Shelley Duvall. It's funny. My mother had said she doesn't like her. She doesn't know why she doesn't like her though. And I don't know. I, she played um, Jack Nicholson's wife in uh, The Shining. I remember from oh, a, yeah. yeah, I remember her myself from a Super Channel series. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't by Super Channel, but called Storybook Theater. Hey, I saw that. She was the narrator. That's the one that did the Nightingale with Mick Jagger as yep. the Chinese Emperor. There was Jack and the Beanstalk. They were kids. Yeah. Like, I think they were half hour each or an hour yeah, each. Not that long, yeah. Um, and she was the narrator. Hmm. That was Shelley Duvall. In fact, it was called, I believe, Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. Or Storybook Theater, something like that. I haven't seen one of those in, yeah, well, since I was a wee little one. what I know, yeah. Yeah, I, I was a wee little one. But you, they sound familiar to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember Storybook Theater and then the... But I missed the Shelley Duvall's part. You, you, well, yeah, but she was the intro, she was the. Yeah, but I, n- I never, I never. I don't mean actual theater. I mean like it was a TV. Theater. Yeah, yeah, no, I oh, don't. Okay, but yeah. I, like the, the the title of it. Oh yeah, I don't. In my know. world was you know storybook storybook. Yeah, I, like you, I probably just filtered out the name. Yeah, I don't care whose it is. I just want to know what it There's is. That graphic. That's yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, she's like she's a good character. She's not she's not a love interest to anyone. She's not. I mean, Shelley Duvall's not desperately attractive. She's not hideous, but no, she's, she's average. Yeah. But she's not there to be the love interest. She's there to be the father confessor. Right. You know. Um, and 
I don't remember. Oh, right. Oh, he's, t- he's talking to the kid. Right, yeah. We're going through this with these. Finally, after a whole season, we finally figured out on the PlayStation 3, if you hit the square button, it shows you uh, frames one one minute at a time. So that's making some, life so much easier to remember where the hell we are in the, in the, in the movie. And yeah, like the next thing the next morning is that, you know, C.D. Bales is sent to talk to this, this fat kid sitting on the roof and he doesn't want to go to school because he's sick of being called fat. Though I'm not sure why that's an issue because it's summer. Mm, summer school? Sure. I think it's, let's just run with that. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. And, you know, he just sits there on the top because we already know he's got that acrobatic thing from the beginning. Yeah. And the sitting on the roof and contemplating life will play out at the very end of the movie as well. Remember, that's where he is when Roxanne finally comes to him. That seems to be an um, American thing. The sitting on the roof? Yeah. I think mostly because the attics have, like Americans tend to have windows that open out, mm-hmm. whereas Canadians tend to have the screen that's built on. Yeah. It's just a different, it's just like Americans tend to use soaker tubs, whereas our tubs tend to be built into the wall. Oh, yeah. Same sort of thing. Yeah. It's just a different design. I would love to have sat on my roof. I probably wouldn't be as afraid of uh, heights as I am, but yeah, much more of a, though I had friends who lived out in Langdon and uh, the younger of the two used to, she used to sit on it when she was a kid. Uh, she used to sit on her roof all the time. Yeah. Ours was too slopey. Yeah. I, 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 in the city, it wouldn't have mattered because you wouldn't be able to see anything. But if I had lived in the country, I probably would have spent time on the roof because then cool place to stargaze. Like I do have a telescope. Yeah. I live in the middle of Calgary right now. I don't <laughs> see shit. I, I, don't, I, think, I, I think I can see like Venus and Jupiter if I'm really lucky, but that's about it. Mars on a super clear night. Yeah. But right now, half of BC is floating over, uh, floating over us in ash, so I don't see a damn thing. Yeah, I, but, yeah. I almost saw the sun this morning. I saw it for five seconds, but yeah. So they're up on there, and and, and it's a cute, it's a cute uh, conversation. Mostly, I appreciate it because C.D. Bales is talking to this kid, and he's probably about thirteen. Yeah. He doesn't talk to him like he's a little boy. What's wrong, Jimmy? He talks to him like an adult. Yeah, and that's why this kid is willing to talk to him. Yeah, and at the end, it's like, do we have to get down? And nope. it's like one of the best scenes of the series, of the movie. He says, "No, we can just sit here for a while. Let them worry. You know, it's like let 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 them sit down. You're fine. Let's just sit here and yeah. be." And that's really cool. C. D. Bales is a guy I want to know. Yeah, this is a friend I want in my life. This is an intelligent person I want to meet. I need more people like that. Damn it. Well, I have one, but unfortunately, she lives in Edmonton and only comes down to do a podcast once in a while. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. People with their husbands and kids i don't know what the hell anyway well you see <laughs> you see when a, when a mommy and daddy love each other very much but uh yeah and then we get to you know we get to see chris and we're introduced to this character andy and you said you you don't have an issue with this character and i really do andy is i don't know the name of the actor i know he's not like this the only thing i've ever seen him in before was um bonnie and clyde he played the brother and he comes across as a little special. He's even got this sound to him. And he clearly isn't that bright. And Chris talks to him, oh, that's so nice. This is perfect. We are the fire department. Like, he really humors him. Yeah. That's our new computer. Yeah. We could pinpoint any fire in town with that. I can see that. <clears throat> it's perfect for us because, you know, we're the fire department. Yeah, well, that is perfect. Hi, I'm Andy. Yeah, good to meet you. How are you? Fine, fine. <laughs> well, I just wanted to welcome you. Okay, thanks a lot. So, okay. And that would be fine, except in two instances in this movie, we see him doing things, Andy, 
that someone of his intellectual heft should be beyond him, I would think. Like, he reads Being in Nothingness, which which is like hardcore French philosophy that would make your nose bleed. And then he beats a guy up in a boxing match, which we don't see. Mm-hmm. Even though he's this tiny little guy. And the whole idea is, wow, he beats, he, he exceeds my expectations. But I found it kind of mocking. Yeah, you said you don't. Well, I know that guy. You, you know he's, someone he, like that. He, he comes off a little special, but he's actually really well-educated yeah. and, and really athletic. He just doesn't look like it. Yeah, but when they see him in Operation Snowball, when they go to rescue the cat, he's just sort of sitting there, simply looking around. Yep. And I just, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. No, it's, uh, it, 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 it's like the old, it's like the four old ladies that he bumps into often, in, like yeah. that, that C.D. Bales talks to. They don't fit in this movie. I don't understand. The, they're very uh, stereotypical 80s characters, though, eh? Is Andy though? I don't know. Yeah, I just they always have kind of the the imbecile. Yeah, like that's the term. I yeah, would think it, it imbecile. Would, he'd be the, he'd be the village idiot. Yeah, I just I don't know. It it just doesn't Mind work. You, the because, whole fire department seems to be the village idiot. Yeah, but they're not idi- but they're not idiots because they're dumb. They're idiots because they just don't know they're what they're doing. They're not good at it yet. Yeah. yeah, like the mayor. He seems. I mean, he's not a very. He doesn't really understand promotions, but he's not dumb. Yeah. You know, um, El Creepo. Is, he's not a dumb human being. He runs his own business and yeah. is clearly successful. All things dead. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just perfect for you, as Roxanne says. Much, yeah. But at the same time, he's not an unintelligent person. But Andy's an imbecile. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, it kind of gets to me. But yeah, this is where they first warn you about, yeah, don't say anything about the boss's yeah. nose. And Chris is like, sure. Why would I? Why yeah. would I? Yeah, and then, you know, we're back, we're already now back to. CD helping uh, Roxanne move that huge telescope up the stairs, and that's where she he convinces her to admit she's looking for a comet. Yeah. Which she's going to answer, she's going to name uh, Comet Kowalski. It's like, why? You have such a, you have a chance to name it a beautiful name. It's like, I'm Roxanne Kowalski. Oops. Oh. <laughs> but it's cool because they don't make a big deal out of it. It's not a complication like it would be in another rom-com where she says, get out, I don't ever want to... Like, it's nothing no, like... they're just... That. They're still just goofing around. Yeah, like, yeah. she sort of looks and, like, realizes, okay, yeah, it's a weird name, and he didn't mean any harm by it, and... So, uh, what do you get if you're right? <laughs> nothing. Well, I graduate, that's for sure. And I get to name it. Well, that's pretty good. Sort of, uh, historical. Yeah. Comet Kowalski. Kowalski, why? You've got a chance to give it a beautiful name. That's my name. It is? Roxanne Kowalski? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it just sort of, it moves on. Like I said, it's grown-up people being grown-up. Yeah. And, yeah, it's it's just, and again, it's another one of those two intelligent people speaking intelligently, even if it's not necessarily about intelligent things. Right, And, yeah. like, I don't mind talking about goofy shit. I did I did a podcast on Transformers the movie that was longer than the movie. I believe I spoke intelligently, but not about intelligent things. Because it's Transformers the movie. I've had plenty of goofy, dumbass conversations that were still intelligent. You actually have to have a certain level of intelligence to have a fun, goofy, goofy banter going. Like yeah, that. You, you have to be quick to catch. Yeah, you know, to catch the levels of irony. I, I do appreciate, like, these are people I want to meet. I'd want to meet Roxanne. Also, because, you know, it's Daryl Hannah and I'm totally in love with her. But though we saw a picture of her recently, and 
how did you put it? <laughs> when, when, plastic, when, yeah. when plastic surgery goes wrong. But she's someone I'd want to meet. Yeah. And he is someone I'd want to meet. And Dixie is someone I'd want to meet. I'd want to sit at a table with them at the bar. Yeah, absolutely. That would be cool. Um, you know, and then there's... I noticed this movie is a lot about people eating. Because the next scene is Sandy, the bartender, Dixie, and Roxanne at somewhere having breakfast. They're always eating. Like, these people go from restaurant to restaurant. Mm-hmm. Where do these people get this money? Like, he's soaking her... Like, Dixie, who rented Roxanne the the house, what did they say? It was 9000 for the summer? I think I missed that. Yeah, 9000 for the summer. Holy. That's Well, let's assume that's a four-month university summer. That's her That's her whole grant. That's her grant. Yeah, like, where where is she finding that money? And they never actually explain why she's there. She doesn't need to be. She goes down to Arizona, where her uncle is looking for... the big for, one. For, yeah, because her uncle, I'm guessing, is a prof, and giving her access to a big telescope in Arizona? I think that's what yeah, she said. Yeah, Arizona or New Mexico, somewhere like that. They never explain really why she's there. For the night skies. I guess, but yeah. that's an expense. Like I said, that's super. I mean, maybe it's her vacation as much yeah. as anything else. I don't know, but like my rent here, 9000 bucks. that's most of the year. That's, that's, that's two-thirds yeah. of the year. That's, yeah. And I live in a, I live close to the downtown core of a major, of a major metropolitan city in North America. That's a lot of goddamn money. That's a ton. In 1988? That's like... That's a terrifying amount of money. That's my mortgage. For that, okay. Nice place. Oh, it was gorgeous. Like three stories and a whole bunch. But yeah, so these three people, in addition to finding nine grand to pay for this rent, she has time to spend every meal at a restaurant. And they meet Chris for the second time. And this time he panics and makes a run for it and practically knocks down the door to get into the, the men's washroom. And that's where she says, like, okay, I'm going to ask him out. I'm going to... Okay. When he comes out, I'll invite him to a Nelson tradition of tubbing. And I'll set him up with some mulled wine and I'll bathe him a lot. You know? I'm shocked. We're all shocked. I'm not shocked. <laughs> which, is him make, which is her making fun of El Creepo from the night before, because that's how he tried to yeah. hit on her. You want to go hot tubbing? <laughs> so Super no. Yeah. I bet you I could make a few hundred bucks here just getting promises not to repeat his his lines. Yeah. So I found a way to turn a profit in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny because he goes into the washroom and is like, okay, he looks in the mirror. You're going to throw some water on your face and you're going to go talk to her. And then he splashes water all over well, his crotch. The, the pressure's too high and it sh- shoots out of the sink. I've actually done that. I've never done that quite that badly, but yeah, I have well, walked. Not to that level. But. Yeah, but he comes and he looks like he's pissed himself and he freaks out and he, he breaks, like, he doesn't break the window, but he breaks the window frame. Sure, to sneak out get, of the bathroom. Getting out of the bathroom in the meantime, they're sort of waiting for him. They sort of leave that. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It's kind of funny, like, because clearly he's competent. He's been hired to be a firefighter. Well, yeah, to, to, to uh, come in and... and and, and train these people. Well, not just train them. I, I think he's meant to be part of the fire and, team. And be, be a lead part of the fire team. He's yeah. been to New York. He's been to San Francisco. He's from Albuquerque. Or as my favorite character, Bugs Bunny, would say. I knew I should have made a left turn at Albuquerque. But that's another matter. Should have taken that left. <laughs> should have taken that left at Albuquerque. Everything up here, is, it's such a slow boil. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, remember, we talked about like in The Burbs or in Poltergeist. Nothing insane happens. Nothing manic happens. It all kind of just builds, slow but sure. There's been no passionate meet-cute. There's, been, you know, we're 27 minutes. We're a third of the way through this film. A little, yeah. little less than that. 
And it's still introducing. It's still introducing people, and it's still really chill. Yeah. As the kids say, it's a chill movie. Because the very next... <laughs> the very next one is uh, C.D. Bales talks, bumps into the... Uh, the uh, the mayor, who's also a volunteer firefighter, and he says, "I have this idea. We're gonna." They got a cow. And like we're gonna treat, teach this cow to drink a beer. We're gonna have Oktoberfest in July. This work. This promotion works. And it's like, really. And I'm gonna play the clip of how yeah. you know uh, of how uh, C D Bales just mocks these people. I think it's a fantastic idea. Do you like it? I do. I love it. I think it's great. Great idea. I think it's brilliant. What an idea. And I was there. I saw it happen. He took the idea. He saw it ripe on the tree. He plucked it and he put it in his pocket. It's, it's, dare I say, genius? (laughs) No. No. But maybe, ooh, maybe it is. Maybe I'm in the presence of greatness. Maybe I just don't know it. But I saw it. Because he thinks it's the stupidest fucking thing he's yeah, ever heard. Absolutely. But he goes in the other direction. He dials that up to a 13 or so. That yeah, one's awesome. Yeah. You know. But again, we're still meeting people. And even in the scene after that, it's Chris in the fire department with the uh, with these two characters, the one played by Damon Wayans and the other guy. And, they're, and, and these two, they're clearly presented as idiots because they're covered in um, the powder from uh, the, uh, fire extinguishers. Yeah, fire because they're, they're, they're refilling them, I guess. Yeah. Of course, he's not covered in them because he's, you know, Chris is a trained firefighter, but these two are covered in this shit. And it's like, okay, we've warned you about the boss's <laughs> nose, right? This is a guy who, when he washes his face, loses the bar of soap. And, and, <laughs> and he thinks this is hazing, right? Okay, you guys are screwing with me. And it's, again, it's we're, we're now 30 minutes into this film, and still there's been no conflict. We're still learning. I love that. I love that they speak... They take the time in this movie. There's no unnecessary complications. There's no silliness. There's no, you know, there's no stupidity. They just sort of, here's these lives of these people, and we know where it's going. And if you know the play, you know, well, yeah. you know more or less how it plays out, but yeah. Well, I, 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 knew, the, I knew the play in high school. We, I never read it in high school. I, oh. it, wasn't, it wasn't an option. I see, again, I've seen the... the um, the, the, the film version with um, Gerard Depardieu, who in the 90s was still, you know, this is before he lost his goddamn mind mm-hmm. uh, and his waistline. He's hiding in Russia these days, by the way. Was he? Oh, you didn't hear was, about that? I was wondering what happened after yeah, the plane he, thing. Um, he, uh, he decided he didn't like paying the taxes in France, so he moved to Russia, took Russian citizenship, and I think he just, poof, he's off the grid. Sharing a house with uh, Steven Seagal. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, he just kind of lost his goddamn mind. <laughs> Overweight, washed up, crazy guys. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Gerard Depardieu in the 90s was... Yeah, he was he was a, good. ...a great actor. And he was in a lot of rom-coms. He did uh, Green Card with... Um, yep. I can't think of her name offhand, but whatever. You know, so it's kind of... I guess he figured, well, if I, if I can do Cyrano de Bergerac and they're going to turn it into a lighthearted comedy, screw this, I'm going to do it. My first exposure to Cyrano de Bergerac was this. And then the, the Gerard Depardieu movie. But yeah, the next scene is my favorite in the film. Yeah, mine too. Now here's how it's changed. If you remember from the play, the guy who challenges him says, where are you going, big nose? And you know, yeah. see, he looks at him like, that's the best you could do. You got this in front of you, and the best you could do is big nose. And he throws the dart, and it's 20. It's like, okay, I got a couple of 20 better things. And it's wonderful. In the play, it's Christian, Chris. Oh, is it? Every time, what is this? Cyrano oh, de, remember, yeah. Cyrano de Bergerac is trying to tell a story. And every time, and we beat it, and Christian would say, by a nose. 
And he said, and the fog was so thick you couldn't see past your nose. Like he would yeah. keep interrupting and taking shots at his nose. And the idea is that this is how he meets Christian. Mm-hmm. Remember, Chris hasn't yeah, met Yeah, he, he, he yeah. still hasn't met. That wouldn't have worked here. I don't think. No. Because Chris. like it's too heavy. Chris in the, Christian in the play is kind of a dick. Yeah. That's the tragedy of the play that Roxanne is going for. Not a, not a, a bashful guy who gets tongue-tied around smart women. He's a dick. But he's pretty. Here, Chris is just a nice guy who can't deal with with women who are super, super gorgeous yeah. and certainly can't deal with women who are super, super smart. But here, this is such a lighthearted scene where these, you know, C.D. Bales comes up with these 20 things that are better than Big Nose. I've, I've actually used that. I'd forgotten where I got it from, but I've, I've, I've used that. Used what? In the bar. Come on, you can you can do better than that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like... You know a lot of bar fights, Heather? Uh, kind of. We totally got to go to a pub after this and start a bar fight. I always say, come to a bar fight. I need a sniper to pick people off from behind the bar. But yeah, it's... But, but you know, it's funny because everyone in the bar, including one of the coked up douchebags from the... Yeah, from, the whole town's cheering for him. Yeah. Even him, like, because remember when the guy says big nose and the guy who got his ass kicked, he's like, get out! By the way, I only noticed it was the coked out douchebag in the bar. Yeah. Last week, it only occurred to me, holy shit, it's the same guy. Oh, no way. Yeah, I, I just yeah. thought it was just some other guy. No, like, it's the same guy. It's like, yeah. get out! Because, of course, he's probably still Run! he's probably still smarting yeah. from, you know, from, from the beating he took. But everyone's cheering, and he clearly, yeah, he's sensitive about his nose, but he's not mean about it. He's being mocked in front of the whole town, and instead of beating the shit out of this guy, or telling him to go fuck himself, he makes a joke out of it at his own expense. And he and he wins. He just he just he destroys the yeah. guy. Yeah, and the last one is a, is finally a shot at the guy. He says, "Hey, your name wouldn't happen to be Dick, would it?" And the guy takes a swing at him, and he punches him, and he passes out, and C.D. Bales goes. I didn't think it needed to get that that. How would you put it? Lowbrow? No, I did. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I I think he could have been just sort of left moping and laughed out but okay fair enough yeah, I'm, I'm i'm 100 percent fine yeah. but it is a wonderful scene because again to be that funny you have to be smart yeah you know like one of the, the more the one certainly the most esoteric one is uh, obscure man i'd hate to see the grindstone <laughs> yeah no and, and it's yeah. like even the people in the bar going oh he's like think about it and oh you know pigs have refused to find any more truffles until you leave you know it's like sir would you mind not bobbing your head you're distracting the orchestra or they, they keep they keep yeah they keep, keep changing temp- yeah they keep changing tempo or it's like you know it's like keep that guy away from my cocaine you know it's like it must be wonderful to smell the coffee in brazil like I swear, I almost want to just play them all, but I don't want to play a whole scene. I want people to go watch this movie. It was so good. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. it's good, and Roxanne describes it perfectly later. I've never seen anyone be brave before. And that is bravery. Because it could have been a bar fight. Like, if you think in realistic, yeah, if, someone had a, yeah. if someone looked that ugly and took, someone took a shot at you, it would in real life, you go, fuck you, and you'd walk away, or just whatever, buddy, and you'd ignore it. Or if you're a douchebag, you'd start a fight or something. Yeah. But it wouldn't end like this. What he did took immense amount of bravery to mock himself in front of a whole town that knows he's sensitive about his nose. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. Because it shows that he may, be, he may have issues with his nose in terms of image, but he's very confident about who he is as a person. Yeah. That's why I want to know this guy. I want to meet this guy, you know? And it's it's just it's a it's a cool scene and Roxanne is watching and you know the next morning we learn right away like Sandy says oh you know because of course C D Bales 
leaves after he knocks out the yeah. asshole. And the next morning, Sandy bumps into him and says, oh, I think she's in love. She talked about you all night. Yeah. I think that's kind of neat. Like, it's just, again, Roxanne actually does, is kind of in love with Sandy yeah, Bales, but... she's just confused at first. She's, con- yeah, I guess that's the way to put it. She's distracted by... Yeah, shiny. By, 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 by shiny Chris, yeah. And, you know, that's when finally we get to see that, you know, they finally meet. He finally meets Chris. And Chris is looking at that nose... And it's like he looks, you know, <laughs> you know, CD turns to the left and Chris looks with him. Chris follows it. And it's like, yeah. and, how, and how do you like your room? And he sort of jerks his head to the right and Chris looks and then back and forth. At one point he's like, it's hypnotic, isn't it? It's hypnotic, isn't it? It's huge. Enormous! It's gigantic! I mean, they said it was big, but I didn't expect it to be big! Wanna shoot some pool? Huh? Come on, rack him up and play a game. Let's go. Uh, aren't you gonna kill me? The, the guy said that. Oh, ordinarily, yeah, but not today. <laughs> not today! Yeah, but I love, but it's so poetic, why? He says, why, aren't, why not today? He said, because yesterday she didn't. But today she does. And, and he goes, oh, big yeah. dumb, this big dumb smile. And it's very clear. They think different things. He means she's in love with me. Douchebag Chris thinks it means she'll put out for me. Yeah. Holy shit, are those not the same things? Super different. And Chris is just shallow. That's his problem. He's not dumb. No, he's, he's not. Right. Have you ever met a firefighter? That's an exceptionally technical craft. And if you're being hired to be a, to teach other firefighters, you are that much more intelligent. Yeah. He's just, he's shallow. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to date him one way or the other. I, no, Aww, not he's, my, he's so dreamy. He's so dreamy. I don't think he's that dreamy anymore. And I think he's a grandfather. But anyway, the point is, like, you know, all jokes aside, he's, he's just, he ain't for her. But she doesn't know that because all they've done is, as she puts it, exchanged a few goofy looks. Yeah. And he's, you know, puked in an alley and, bro- and, and broken and out a window. Poured water on himself. Poured water on his crotch. Yeah. And it's funny. And then we get to see some training. Yeah. And the training is funny. It's all the done to... great. Yeah, because it's all done to classical music because that's, that's C.D. Bales. So he's erudite. He's, he's cultured. And they do it to Blue Danube, which I'm sorry to me is always going to be the scene from 2001. Okay, turn on the hose. All right, now the secret to moving a hose is in the rhythm. To the left. One, and two, and three. To the right. One, and two, and three. Sorry, that's the way it is. That's just what it is from now on forever. And then after that, Roxanne, this is where Roxanne asks C.D. Bales, so I've met this guy. And that's so oh, heartbreaking buddy. because he is absolutely convinced, especially after what Sandy says, yeah. that this is her roundabout way of saying, because remember she says, I'm going to be really forward. He says, oh, good. Yeah. And it sounds so much like she's going to say, you want to go out? It slowly turns and he realizes it, that she's not talking about him. He makes so, he makes a good save. Yeah. Well, he says, remember, he says, he's handsome. He says, you know, isn't it amazing how when you like someone, you can view him as handsome? He says, well, what are you talking about? Everyone thinks he is. 
And that's where he realizes, uh oh. Uh, abort, abort. Yeah, but but he says it's great that he's all these things. Like because he's he's trapped. What's he gonna do? Yeah. They walk to the top of a mountain to have this private conversation. Yeah, and that's where she, you know that's where she says it's Chris, and and that's where you know she says. By the way, the other night you were very brave. She says, oh, I've been braver since. Yeah, like she, right now. Yeah, like she thinks he's joking, and that's so heartbreaking because yeah. he means right now, and. I've actually been in that situation. Oh, no. Not quite that. We didn't yeah, hike a mountain, still. but it's like where I thought she was about to ask me out and she was going to, and, and she's like, what about so-and-so? And it's like, okay, keep smiling. Uh, you know, it's like, you're right. That's very much what it is, is that she feels as a friend, she can, he's safe. He's safe to go to. Yeah. And I've been that guy and I, I didn't pine for her, but I thought yeah, she was making a play for me. And no, she just wanted me to introduce her to a mutual colleague in, in, in university. And it's like, oh, you know, and, and it's like, you gotta, you, you can't freak out. You can't make this about you, especially when someone comes to you and says, uh, here's my heart. Let me put it on the table. Yeah. You can't then freak out because then you just make it eminently worse and you're not being the good friend that you should be. And it's right. like, so that scene, I always look and go, oh, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it, it's a good scene. And he is being very brave because he barely misses a beat. Yeah. But in the meantime, he freaks out and he goes to uh, he goes to his you know his, his plastic surgeon just cut me cut me it's yeah like, you, you can't yeah it's like you can't you can't have anesthetics like let's do it the old fashioned way and it's yeah. it's a cute scene I think they could have edited the entire scene out where it sort of ends with him looking at these nose cards these things yeah. you put up to your face so you can see what a nose job would look on you mm. it's it's a fantasy for him yeah and you realize this is a man who's deeply unhappy. And yet he's confident. Like I said, he's confident in who he is. But clear, like remember earlier on, he said, you know, so he says, this is actually just before he's told by Sandy, I think she's in love with you, or I think she's in love. And of course, he interprets that to mean Roxanne's in love with him. Right. Remember, he says, he says, sometimes I ask myself, why, you know, why not me? So why don't you ask her out? You know, sometimes I walk around this town at night and I see couples walking along, holding hands, and I look at them and I think, uh, hey, why not me? And then uh, I catch my shadow on the wall. And you realize this is a man, as much as this is a comedy and it's not meant to be taken seriously, this is a guy who's deeply unhappy with himself. I feel it, it, it's at this point, and for the first time I've seen this film you know, dozens of times, watching this scene today, I feel profoundly sad for him. And... And then, of course, the next scene is CD telling Chris, you know, she wants to meet you. And we realize he's a simpleton. He's kind of got the girl, like, he looks at girls the way I think a grade sixer would. Yeah, he's, he, he never got out of junior high. Yeah. I mean, clearly he's not a, a cloistered virgin. But my guess is he's used to very, very shallow women yeah. who put out and he doesn't have to impress. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Up until this conversation, he has no idea who she is. No, she's just pretty. She's just pretty. It doesn't realize that she's, well, he's, at one point, it's not like she's a rocket scientist, and, and CD goes, actually, yeah, she is. Yeah. I mean, oh. she's not, but whatever. She's an astronomer. Close enough. You know, we realize, like, and he says, you know, I, I can be, I can joke around with you guys. It's not like I don't like, and, and you know, this is the 80s. It's not like I don't like, like girls, because I do. I like girls. Like, he's got to assure yeah. CD he's not, he's not one of the gays. Again, this is the 80s, and that would, that, that line would be cut today. Yeah. A re-edit of this film would simply not have that line. Yeah. But we realize he's kind of a simpleton. Well, and go ahead. Roxanne and, and, and Chris make the same mistake. They they both desire each other. But Purely unphysical. Yeah. 
Purely on appearance, And there's yeah. nothing in common. Like, they, yeah. there's nothing for them to talk about. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, though. They don't know that. Yeah. She assumes he must be smart. She knows who he is. Yeah. She, like, when he says, like, who are you talking about in that conversation? He says, well, Chris, he works for you. Mm-hmm. So she knows who he is. And again, as I've said, firefighters are not dumb people. They're highly educated. No, they're highly trained. Highly trained tradesmen. They're, it's a very technical profession. So she know, So she assumes he's pretty smart. Again, he's also a teacher of firefighters, by the way. Yeah. And by the way, he's very good at it. We've already seen that. Yeah. But I think he's assuming that because she's got legs, because that's what he says, you know, you, you check out the legs on her. He's not interested in hearing that she has a sense of humor or that she's very, very smart. Do you check out the legs on her? He just assumes pretty. He, he never got past. He never got above her chin. Yeah. Pretty much. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Like intellectually, like, visually or conceptually. Yeah. Because look, it's Daryl Hannah. At the height of her beauty, she's terrifyingly beautiful. Yeah, she's about six runs above the above the ladder out of my out of my range on my best day. Mm-hmm. But he's on; like, he's just as pretty as she is. Yeah. The difference is she's also got a brain. Though, as you put it, she puts on her glasses, and now we know she's smart. Because in the eighties, no one wears glasses unless they're smart. Yeah, it's these days everyone wears glasses, but back in the day, yeah, you know, I remember in the nineties when glasses became trendy. Like non-prescription glasses yeah. because it became a fashion thing, and, and it's and this is still at a time when wearing glasses. The thought was it made you smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know plenty of people with glasses who ain't so smart, male or female. But then I think back to Twelve Angry Men, filmed in the fifties, and they talk about the woman, and it's like, well, what about the district attorney? You think he'd pull a trick like that? Have a testify without her glasses? Do you ever see a woman who had to wear glasses and didn't want to because she thinks they spoil her looks? That's the line of Henry Ford in, in the, or John Ford or something Ford in the, whatever, the, the, the main character in them. You know, so that's the 50s. And that's true. When I got my glasses, actually, my, I got my glasses the same year the film came out. I was told to keep them on all the time, but I didn't want to because I thought I'd look nerdy or with glasses. <laughs> so for the first couple of months, I would, I would take them off and only put them on for distance. That went away after a few months because it got to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. I stopped giving a shit. But I know plenty of women who don't want to wear glasses because they don't like the way it looks. But now it's just another fashion accessory. You know what I mean? It's just it's just something you have on your face. Yeah. And sometimes you wear glasses or sometimes you wear uh, contacts. I can't because, ew, I'm chasing myself around the washroom <laughs> trying to put them in. That just doesn't happen. Uh, well, you remember when I was a medic, I didn't want to do anything with no eyes. Eyeballs. No, yeah, no eyeballs. No eyeballs. Oh, you got that thing stuck in your eye? I'll like to talk to my <laughs> I'll, friend. I'll be uh, back. I'll be back. Yeah, well, actually, I won't be, but my colleague will be. But yeah, it's, you know, but I, to me, you know, these days, glasses are just a matter of fact. Yeah. It's also the nature of our computer society. People, their eyesight sucks more. But, you know, back then, you're right. Like, oh, she put on her glasses. And if you notice, the glasses were not trendy for the 80s. They were these weird horn, like pointy, what are they called? Horn-rimmed? Really? I thought they were the big round ones. No, they're horn-rimmed. Oh. Um, she's got these horn-rimmed glasses, kind of an 80s interpretation of the old 60s yeah. female ones. They're very nice on her. Yeah, they're, but they're, they're cute. Yeah, they're, they're neat. And it's like, yeah, so now we know she's smart. But yeah, and then of course the next scene, you know, after CD telling, uh, you know, Chris he wants to talk, he's like, "I'm going to send her a letter," and I'm thinking this is going to go well. And then there's a, another scene. This is one of the first. This is one of two scenes that I hate yeah. in this film. So I was wrong, and there's nothing wrong with this film. And that's Steve Martin. You know, CD Bales has clearly decided it's time to do something about his nose. He knows he's not getting the surgery, so he goes and, and it's this running joke about shading his nose with a. With, with with makeup and and it's so awkward because the woman behind the counter doesn't he, no no one wants to admit it's about his nose even though it's clearly about his nose yeah. and she makes the joke and like you know we'll, we'll shade it it'll look like there's more shadow and less acreage I mean area yeah and it's just 
And then it ends with, you know, Roxanne coming in and he doesn't want to admit it's for him. He's like, oh, it's for my sister. You have a sister? No. It's for my sister's girlfriend. and Which, again, is sort of a homophobic thing, but okay, whatever. Yeah. It's it's meant, he just, he opened his mouth and words don't come out. Yeah. Like, he just, <laughs> we're lucky he didn't say purple monkey dishwasher and jump out a window. <laughs> but it's just, it's an awkward scene. The whole thing is awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. And I honestly believe that they could have filmed just the conversation between Roxanne and CD, just them walking down the street without the stupid thing at the end. Just, oh yeah, he's going to write you a letter. It's really romantic. Yeah. They could have just done that because this scene is just painful. Between the makeup and the, oh, it's not for me. It's for my sister. You have a sister? No. Nothing in that scene works for me. No. I just, part of it me, I think is someone was probably poking Steve Martin do the funny. Do the SNL. Do the funny mm-hmm. stuff. Probably, yeah. Wow, it's quite the busy night outside. We still can't close that window. It's too hot in here. Yeah. And then, of course, then, then we get to see the letter. Yeah. There's no way I'm not playing that clip. Oh, yeah. Got that letter? I think, it's, I think it's really good. Dear Roxanne, how's it going? Want to have a drink sometime? If you do, check this box. <laughs> well... How long did you work on this? Well, t- today, you know, uh, since noon. Noon. Chris, that's a very long time. There's a country song about that. Really? Oh, yeah. Is another one of these country songs where my dog done died, my girlfriend done, my girl done left me? Oh, no, me? no, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not old country. It's, it's, it's new pop country. I oh. really wish I didn't know this. Yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't listen to country music without yeah, a gun to my head. Do you... I married someone who... Oh, I'm sorry. You went with Chris and not C.D. Bales, did you? No. Well, it's, <laughs> it's okay. see, I, I wanted Mr. Darcy. I, I got uh, Mr. Simpson. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, this is where finally he's convinced to write the letters. We are an hour into this movie, and only now has the central conceit of this story been introduced to us. Because we're so, we've been so lulled into just enjoying the lives of these people that it's really about Cyrano de Bergerac, C.D. Bales, seducing Roxanne without her knowing it, mm-hmm. writing the letters, writing the love letters in Chris's name. What comes next is the date. Yeah. And that date is hilarious because Chris is an idiot. And, but now he's got to talk to her. So he puts on one of these, I don't know what kind of hat that is. The Elmer Fudd hunting the, cap. The, the Elmer Fudd hunting cap with the flaps down because he's got a, an earbud in his ear and down the street, in the back of a van is C.D. Bales with an old CB radio telling him what to say. And it's so clear because he speaks so hauntingly. And he, and you know, of course, he can, you know, C.D. Bales can hear it. And then at one point, and it says, I just want to tell you that there's a 502 on Main. Proceed to Main. Car 2, Car 2. Because, you know, that's the part of the joke. Of, you know, the joke of it is that the CD, the CD radio is shit. And it keeps cutting in with the, uh, the police dispatch. Yeah. And... Of course, he tears the, the earpiece out of his ear, and he craters. He leaves crater Chris. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't crash and burn. He leaves a smoldering ruin. It's like your 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 knockers. I mean, your pillows. Can I fluff your pillows? And she flees into the house. Like, how is there any coming back from that? There, sh- there shouldn't be. There, like, I, I, I don't know a woman. I have never known a woman. I've never bumped into the street to a, a strange woman who would ever have let a guy come back from, can I fluff your pillows? I just... Yeah. 
And I think the only, the only reason she talks to him again is they're trying to throw, you know, the, the whole stone, the pebble on the window. But Chris is an idiot and breaks her window. <laughs> yeah, he, just, he just wings it. <laughs> and it's quite the rock. Yeah. And it's a beautiful scene. It's very romantic where, you know, C.D. Bales hides behind the trees and pretends he's Chris. And I can understand why what he says seduces her. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. But there is an absolute disconnect with, can I fluff your pillows? Like, there's no way on the same date... Can I fluff your pillows? Translates into, "There's only one word I want to hear from you." Yes, like that. Just how does how does Lois Lane not get that Clark Kent is Superman? It's glasses, right? We talked about that in the podcast. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you should but, listen to that podcast. You missed it, damn you! But uh, sorry. Yeah, no, but it's yeah. It's, but, like, it's it's the conceit it's, of film. It's clearly two different people. Yeah, their their voices are different. Their their Build is different. There. Well, but he's he. I mean, she's hiding under. He's hiding under the pines. She can see him from the from the chest. Yeah, and I noticed that enough. he's got a little bit of a gut. Yeah, not much of a gut. And he's, he's not he's not tall enough. And he's yeah, but I, I mean, she's upset. Yeah, and I'm willing to leave that aside. The visual of she's looking down from three stories up. It's dark out. He's uh, we- right. CD is wearing Chris's hat and and jacket. They are otherwise. Their their voices though they're so different. So different. They're, so why'd you say those things? Why'd he say those things? Tell her you were afraid. Because I was afraid. Of me? What do you mean you were afraid? You're afraid of what? Tell her you were afraid of words. What, what, what? Words. Because I was afraid of worms, Roxanne. Worms. Worms? What are you telling? What are you saying to me? Come here. Worm, worm. Uh, did I say worms? I meant uh, words, Roxanne. This is too hard. Give me your coat. Give me your coat. Uh, words, words. They're uh, they're all used up. They're hard to say. They've all been wasted. Give it to me. On the shampoo commercials and uh, and the ads and uh, the flavorings. All those beautiful words. I mean, how can you uh, how can you love a floor wax? Uh, how can you love a diaper? I mean, how can I use the same word about you that? Uh, someone else uses about a stuffing. I'm uh, exploding with love for you, and I can't use the word. I can't hear you. It's because my words have to rise up, and they're having trouble finding you. You're not having trouble hearing me. Well, your voice floats down. But be careful. One hard word from you at that height kills me. Give me your hat. Give me your hat. Oh, shit. Your voice sounds different. Uh, uh, of course it's different. Uh, I don't have to be careful anymore. I'm, uh, I'm protected by the night. Their, 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 their mannerisms are so different. Their, their sure. phrases they use are... But again, he's mostly hidden. We get to see him from the side. She only gets to see him through the foliage. Yeah. For me, it's just the disconnect of can I fluff your pillows to... Poetry. Poetry. Yeah. Like... How did she not figure out this is not him? I don't even care about the conceit of the earbud. It's just that it's so obvious that he is halting in his, um, his, um, um, his, what are those things? Words. Maybe, maybe she's really forgiving and thinks he has a stutter. I don't know, but I I don't know. Like, it's just, it, it's the conceit of the film, I guess, that his poetry, what he said, what, what C.D. Bale says is so moving. And it is. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with someone and I said, wouldn't you like a guy to, write poetry to you? He says, no, that'd be so awkward. And I'm thinking, what would you rather have someone say? I see you every day and my heart skips a beat. And on the days I don't see you, it doesn't beat at all. 
Would you rather a guy say that to you or, hey, babe, you want to hook up? First one. The first one, yeah. I always talk about when I, 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 I go to movies. I used to go to movies a lot alone because I lived like a five-minute drive from a theater. And I always sit at the back and I just sort of chill. Mm-hmm. And this is before smartphones, so I just sort of sit there. And I like to people watch, not creepily so. Yeah, no, but they're interesting. It's interesting. And a few rows down and far to the side was a young couple. I'm going to put them at 17, 18, somewhere around there. And at one point, he stood up and said, I'll be right back. I've got to take a piss. And I looked at, I saw the look on her face. And, I've, and every time I relate the story, I always say the same thing. I don't know if it was their first date, but I know it was their last. Yeah. Because the look on her face, she was so grossed out yeah. that this guy, I'm going to take a piss. Yeah. Like, oh, who, baby. Who, I, who talks, who like talks that? that way? Like, it's not just the piss part. It's just that it's so crude. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you could see in her face... She didn't necessarily want Shakespeare, yeah. but she needed more than, I gotta take a piss. Excuse me, I'm going to the washroom where yeah. I work. I'll be, I'll be back in a moment. You make a joke of it. I'm going to go powder my nose. You know, whatever, yeah. but I gotta take a piss. And he said it so loudly, the whole theater heard it. And I remember thinking, like I said, I don't know if it's their first date, but I know it's their last. Yeah. But she looked like she had the ew look on her face. Yeah. like Time to go now, yeah. Yeah, I felt kind of bad for her, Like, but I said it was just... Poetry works. I'm sorry, it does. I've written love letters to women. I know it works. Oh, well done. I know it works. You know, I didn't quite do it in this manner. Didn't involve asking to fluff someone's pillows or breaking their windows. But Thank goodness. I also didn't quote bad songs from the 70s about why do birds suddenly appear. But, you know, it's a funny scene. Like, the the whole thing is a funny scene, and it's a sweet scene. And yeah. the whole movie turns on this scene. And it's super cute. It is. Yeah. But it's not... It's not cutesy no, the way a modern rom-com is cutesy, like too much sugar, like I'm going to get diabetes watching this film. Yeah. It's cute in an intellectual way. Yeah. Because it's clear to all of us that this is why CD and Roxanne belong together. Because Chris is an idiot. And then there's, of course, the second scene that I hate, which is he falls out of a tree. CD falls out of a tree. So I'm guessing he was trying to spy on them, which is gross. And he yeah. falls onto a patch of grass, which is so clearly hiding... Um, a pad, like a, a yeah. gymnastics pad, uh, like for stunt fall. And the four little old ladies, who are just these four, well, generic little old ladies, they see him fall, and he he comes up with this bullshit story. I was kidnapped by aliens, and they want to have sex with older women, and they're out at, they're out in Roxanne's house, and obviously he's trying to disrupt date night. <clears throat> because it, you know that that cute scene did end with yeah, Chris she, and she Roxanne in bed. The scene is it's not funny. You know, the whole alien invasion thing. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Like, I, I just can't help but think, like, did you guys realize you were below time? Like, or, yeah, did, did you or, realize you needed you needed to stretch this film out? Or like you said, it's, it's, it's Steve Martin. Please do, please please do, do an Steve SNL Martin. skit. Yeah, yeah, please do. And, and it, it was awful. Yeah. Did you hurt yourself? Where am I? You're in Nelson. Nelson? Uh-huh. Why, I'm home. They brought me home. Bye. What day is it? Friday. Dallas is on. Friday. I just, I didn't like it at all. I thought it was really quite terrible, and it has no connection with the rest of this yeah. movie. And the next morning, you know, it's the, we get to see, you know, October, October Fest in, in July, and it's like, let's get the party started, and no one is paying attention to the mayor. But in the meantime, you know, Chris and CD are talking, and there's a very male conversation about, I was nervous. I mean, so nervous you couldn't? It's like... Yeah, CD, I couldn't do it the third time. Okay. I guess some guys have these conversations. I don't. None of your goddamn business what happened last night. 
not, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just not that guy. But, you know, I think he's kind of hoping that maybe it didn't happen, but yeah. clearly it did, and clearly she got what she wanted. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, they were, they were both happy. Yeah, she, they both went to bed with a smile. And then what even happens after that? Oh, yes, uh, Roxanne goes off to, she finds out she's right about the comments, so she goes away for a week. And the very next scene, Chris is in that bar talking with the bartender. The bartender lady, yeah. And this is where we realized Chris is not dumb. Chris isn't a total idiot when it comes to women. Sandy is just as pretty. I'm not quite as pretty. Okay, I, you know, she's she's pretty. She's pretty cute. Yeah. She's not the she's not the gorgeous that Daryl Hannah is, but she's pretty cute. Yeah, she's not bad. She's also very slick and very nice. Like she's a great conversationalist. And Chris is right in there. She puts him at ease. She is also shallow. We uh, learned in the beginning. Not as shallow. Not as, she knows yeah. better than him how uh, the, the right way. When when he eventually breaks up with Roxanne, she knows better than him the right thing to do. Yeah. I just like that he's he's clever. A high ball for a was it a low ball for a high ball? Yeah. The worst hand at uh, poker. And the winner, the one with the worst hand, uh, gets a highball, which I guess is a drink of some sort. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Teetotaler, yes, hooray! You know, it, it's sort of like the conversation. This is sort of the slightly less intelligent version, but only slightly less intelligent version of the first conversation between CD and Roxanne. But here it's Chris and Sandy. Right. And it's so clear, like, if this weren't a movie about this, these are two characters who would meet and fall in love, and that'd be yeah. their thing. They have chemistry. They have. They, they do have chemistry. And by the way, he's kind of slick. Yeah, he, he does good. At, at, at his level, he's very capable. Chris likes Sandy. Sandy good. But yeah, it's and that's sort of the disconnect, where he's such a freak show when it comes to her. Maybe it's because he's not on the market anymore. He's confident. He got laid last night, or two nights ago, or whatever. Or whatever, yeah. So he's happy, and he's got a girlfriend now. And she's just, as you put it, and I think you're absolutely right, she's... Working at the, behind the bar, she's she's friendly. She's, she's friendly. She's just there's no pressure. There's no pressure because it's not a social situation. I mean, she's being social. Yeah, she's actually quite forward with him, like with her body language. But at the same time, and she knows who he is. Beer? Yeah. Strap? Yeah, a little bit. It, it, it's okay. I'll just I can put on my sweater if I get. That's really funny. You see Roxanne, don't you? Well, you know, kind of, but not, yeah, uh, I, no. Yeah, I better quit talking no. to you. She's kind of a friend of mine. We can talk. It's not so problem. There's a, there's a social script he can follow. Yes. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's exactly what it is. Because he's probably talked to plenty of bartenders. Yeah. He must have talked to women, clearly at you'd, some point. You'd think. So it's just that he doesn't know how to approach a woman who he views as being probably, a, you know, out of his pay grade, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, like even the other guys, even Mr. Creepo calls him maestro because that's what I think you are with women. And he bases this nothing on other than his looks. Right. It's just, it's funny that he looks at Roxanne, who's drop-dead gorgeous, and he immediately, his brain just drips out his ears. I think another 10 minutes maybe have would have flushed that out more, but yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? And then, you know, from this point on, it becomes kind of this running gag, you know, CD keeps sending her letters, and we see her lying in bed swooning to these letters. Very... Mr. Darcy-ish sort of thing. Very, you know, uh, Jane, um, Jane Austen. Jane. It's very Jane Austen-y sort of feel like, oh, you know, I'm fainting from the letters. and Old school romance. Yeah. Old school romance, but I'm an old school romantic, so I'm cool with that. And then, you know, there's a couple, you know, there's a bunch of running gags about all the different ways that CD mails these things. But as I said, the impressive thing is that in three days, she's able to receive 21 letters through the U.S. mail. 
Let's see. Those, Hourly. Those three magic yeah. post office po- box, post boxes? They teleport directly? They're yeah. very magic. Yeah, yeah. But that's funny. He's like, I'm sorry. From Wash- Nelson, Washington. Okay, it's Nelson, D.C., but it's presented as Nelson, yeah. Washington, to Arizona. Maybe it's three days. Maybe that's three days. But she got these letters over. The- like they show her dressed differently yeah, like lying in time. bed. But yeah, like, yeah, it's practically email. See, that's the thing. It's five years later, it would have been, you have mail. Immediately, we're like, this film moved quickly in 20 minutes. It took an hour to get there. And then in 20 minutes, we go from seduction to, uh-oh, I got to warn Chris about those letters because Roxanne's come back early. And, of course, he makes the, the, the rom-com error. He leaves a, a half-written letter on Dixie's lunch counter. The confessor truth teller. Reads it and realizes, holy shit, he's the one who figures been... out what's going on. Yeah, and in the meantime, he lets Chris know. Wrote some letters, and there's some silly high slapstick, slapstick yeah. hijinks involving acrobatics and climbing up the side of the building. And That's okay. meh. But in the end of it, Chris runs out on Roxanne like I'm not feeling well. I gotta go. And that's where we realize that Sandy, who had told him, I'm moving to Vegas in three days. By the way, he got the note wrong. She's moving to Vegas, Vegas in three in days. Three days yeah. And we realize he's going with her to be a dealer because the joke of the low ball for the high ball, he was shuffling the cards and she says, wow, you could be a, a dealer in Vegas. By the way, I'm moving to Vegas. Yeah. He's going with her. Yeah. He's, he's throwing it all away. He's throwing it all away. His career, like a serious career. And by the way, firefighters make decent money. Yeah. Especially if you're a teacher, if you're on contract, like he'd be making a, a guy going, being pulled from, you know, from fire department to fire department, being paid to teach this guy does not make a little bit of money. No, he's doing he, all right. He's doing all right. He's, he's a catch. And he's... As long as you don't talk want to have conversation. Conversation with him, yeah. But he's running off with Sandy. And he says, Look, let's just go. And she's like, she says, that's not right. You, you can't do you that. You can't do that. Yeah. And so she and he leaves a note. And then it all comes out. You know, CDB, CD, you know, he goes back to the station. And this is the second joke with Andy, the simpleton. Mm-hmm. We Actually, we, we bowled over, actually. The first one, yeah. Which is why... Roxanne thinks he's smart because he goes into a bookstore and asks for this French philosophy book and turns out Andy has just sent him in to get it because he's too embarrassed. Why the imbecile would be embarrassed to get a highly intellectual book. It's a real book, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being in in nothingness, I think is what it's called. It's a French philosophy that, again, will make your nose bleed. She just sees that he's picked up the book, assumes it's for him, and she thinks, wow, he's a deep thinker. So that's the first. That's the first again making and making Andy the imbecile a joke. And the second one is, after all this shit has happened, CD comes back to the fire station, and the Marlin or the Damon or was it Marlin or Damon Wayans? It was Damon Wayans, young guy, fairly fit. Yeah. Passed out on the ground with boxing gloves, and there's Andy, who's this short, pudgy little guy who's clearly kicked his ass. Yeah. And that's mockery. I found that was mockery. Well, they said again. Chief. Right. Roxanne called. Okay? Okay? She sounded real weird. She wants you to come over right away. He owes me 50 Jerry. bucks. Oh, animal. And this is where it all comes out. Yeah. And, I mean, it's... the, the I guess the argument goes as well as you think it could. There's misunderstandings. There's a funny... Like, ten more seconds and I'm leaving. It's, what? It's like, wait, why did you come out? I thought you said, was it earn more sessions by sleeving? What the hell does that mean? It's like, I don't know. That's why I came out. (laughs) And his countdown of you threatening to leave is 
you know, is, is interrupted by him. Of course, his nose, he smells a fire, and they go and they put out a fire. Yeah. And, you know, these firefighters do their job. They have yeah, been... The, the training... The training work. Worked. These guys yeah. are not bozos. The closest they come to an accident is, remember, there's the... Uh, there's a joke in the training where one yeah. guy gets pressed, gets caught between the fire hose and the fire hydrant. He manages to avoid that. Like these guys are learning. They do a good job. It's a cool they do it, fire they do scene. It right. It's a good fight they scene. Save the cow. It's the, yeah, they save yeah, the it's, cow. It's the fight yeah, scene. It's the yeah. Fight scene. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it sort of ends with him sitting on his roof contemplating things because now he's blown it with Roxanne, and everything's gone to shit. And Roxanne shows up and confesses her love for him. Yeah, but again. It's intelligent people speaking intelligently. They had their argument. She's had time to calm down. And there's nothing to do with the heroism of putting out the fire. She wasn't there. She just comes to him and says, I love you. No, he's up and she's down. Yeah. And yeah, that's actually, I never thought about that. Yeah, this time her voice must come up to him and one word from him could crush her, which is something he says. And it's, yeah, it's, there's nothing... They're honest with each other. It's like, yeah, of course, yeah, I did like him for his looks at first. But then it was the way he made me feel, but that was you. And again, it's intelligent people speaking intelligently. Rom-coms are always one one joke that shouldn't happen that would lead to just a normal relationship. Yeah. And the and the whole point of the, the calm of the rom-com is the one misunderstanding that sets everything amiss. But you, you always get the impression these people don't belong together. They're too stupid. But not in this movie. Nope. They totally belong they together. They totally fit. And Chris got Chris got the guy got the woman yeah, he deserved. They, they fit too. They fit absolutely better off. I mean, I feel bad that he's giving up on firefighting, but yeah, he can take it up again. I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a neat movie. Like I, yeah, it's I, just really I, good. It, my mother put it perfectly. It's just a good movie. It's not fucking awesome. It's just you look at it and go, cool. I like these people. Yeah. So what would you rate it? All said and done. Oh. Five. It's 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 five still really good. Yeah, I I, under, I understand a lot of the jokes differently than I did that fourteen. Yeah. Um. I, does, does that make it better or worse? Eh. Okay. Fair enough. I got the jokes, but because I was I was a weird kid, I was you know. But I, I love it. I I have to give. I have to take off a little bit just for those two scenes: the one in the makeup store and the one oh, with the old yeah. ladies. I gotta fault them for that because you know the the movie is an hour forty seven. It could have done with an hour 43 and not lost anything. Like, yeah, I, I could have skipped those. Yeah. I, even though in the, in the one scene, they, you know, this is where CD reveals, oh, he's going to write you a letter. It doesn't matter. Because they talk about that again later. Yeah. You know, at, at sort of the dinner, well, not a dinner party, but, you know, CD and, and Dixie are over at Roxanne's and she says, he sent me a letter and she says, well, this is a block and a half away. He's like, I know, he did it anyway. We could have done without that first scene, the awkward one. Yeah. And we still would have learned that she doesn't really understand why he yeah. wrote a letter. Like, they actually set it up that you could kill that scene. They should have killed it. Yeah. One of these days I may, like, I swear I should tweet at Steve Martin and ask him, like, what What's was... What's going on what, there? What was that scene? Was that, like, was that added? Was that a padding scene? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, he's good. He's Steve Martin. He's awesome. She's a good actress. I don't think people give her enough credit. I think her previous film was like, uh, was it Splash with Tom Hanks? Super deep role there. Yeah, that's a deep one. And I think there's a lot of people like she's got a great body and she's pretty and she's got that awesome, wavy, long, blonde hair. And I think people sort of went with that. Like, oh, she's hot. She's a hot blonde. What more do you need from a female actress? But in fact, she's got good acting chops. Yeah. You a dumb a dumb person cannot act smart. No. You know what I mean? If you ever hear some of these actors and you hear them interviewed and go, You're just dumb. 
But that's why they're not playing super smart parts. Mm-hmm. Because they can't. You can't act something you're not. And she is... I mean, I have no idea what she is outside of of her movies, but she's clearly an accomplished actress, and she pulls this off. Yeah. No one here misfires except Andy, but I think that's the writing. Yeah. So i got to fault a little bit, otherwise I think it's an awesome film. So, yeah. so should um, we leave it there, or yeah. we got more? And, okay, cool.